Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diet Time is here. That's right, we're talking about Freddy versus Jason, finally, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from both Camp Crystal Lake and 1428 Elm Street. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the goriest of details of Freddy versus Jason in the hopes that an unfortunate camp counselor or sleepy teens death is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense and as always there's only one person that i trust that if i am ready to get my neck massaged she'll provide the menthol cigarettes required to accomplish that task the one the only gina radcliffe how are you doing today gina uh, yeah, I was going to think up of some elaborate, you know, you've got your chocolate in my peanut butter, I've got my peanut butter in your chocolate joke about two taste, two great tastes going great together. I don't know if I'm there yet with this, so. <laughs> oh, you mean you don't feel like these worlds just naturally go together like two California raisins that look weird <laughs> next to one another? Because that's the way I feel about the current Jason and Freddy appearances here. Uh, including Jason's brand new vagina nose, which was a <laughs> real shock to my system personally. Yeah, and um, you know, Freddie's got these you know, Phantom of the Paradise jagged fangs now, and and some <laughs> some hot topic, you know, you you uh, uh, Slipknot contacts, and in this opening scene, yes, it's 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 a it's a it's a look. There's a lot of looks happening here. Well, I don't want to alarm you, Gina, but we are not alone. That is right. We have special guests, plural. They are the host of the premier horror, one of the premier horror podcasts in the entire world, but especially of the Pittsburgh PA area. They, of course, own a small part of my heart. They're two people I love dearly, and I especially love their show from Werewolf Ambulance. It's Alan and Katie. Welcome to Kill by Kill. Oh, thank you. Hi, thank you for having us. I'm so happy that you were here. Um, you were introduced to me so very long ago when I put it out there that I, kind of, I, might, I might want to do a horror podcast and kind of in this way. And someone said, oh, that sounds like werewolf ambulance. And I got very frightened. And then I listened to you and I got very happy because I really enjoyed the show. But I also figured out like uh, we have different kinds of horror podcast shows and I could never replicate what you two have but uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your lives to do this goofy ass thing. <laughs> Our pleasure. You're very welcome. Yeah, we're happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you just called it a goofy ass thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a very goofy ass thing. I think horror podcasts have to be. We do this in the weirdest possible way. Uh, you guys just watch a movie and you talk about it. And I think that's probably what normal people do. Whereas we uh, break things down until they don't make sense anymore and somehow try to make sense out of them. So had you ever tried to make sense out of Freddy versus Jason before? I, this is my first time watching this masterpiece of American cinema. <laughs> Katie, how about you? Yeah, me too. Oh, the uh, the the bug had never struck before. You're like, oh, I, I got to find out what these two do when they get together. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I uh, this movie is like right in my horror movie wheelhouse of era that I feel like I should have seen it. Um, but I unfortunately no had never laid eyes on this work of this work before. <laughs> our, our listeners have been building up the excitement about us covering this, like we're doing a Francis Ford Coppola podcast and getting to The Godfather. There's <laughs> Like we've been, people have been asked us about this since probably about two years ago. Are you going to do Freddy versus Jason? Um, eventually. <laughs> so wait, you, got, you guys are finished up. You got, you guys finish up Nightmare on Elm Street. So Freddy versus Jason next, right? Yeah, we're getting to it. It's on the list. And oh, you know, man. I mean, yes, it did take four years, and we really, honestly, Gina, we tried to avoid this for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. But here we are. We're we're confronting this. Once we do this, the uh the curse that was put on us by that witch in the forest is released. And we could do anything we want after this, Gina. We can start talking about 10 to midnight. <laughs> That's right. We want to talk about naked serial killers who walk from the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica all the way to the east side. It's a very local Los Angeles joke. Um <laughs> So I have no I'm sure idea what's going on. <laughs> Nor should you. So let's get right into this because I could tell people like the buildup that was Freddy versus Jason from it being threatened and Jason goes to hell or the 12 different scripts it took to actually find one that everyone agreed would become Freddy versus Jason. But that's all bullshit. Who cares? Let's just get right into this movie and it start explaining characters everyone understands just like the movie does uh, uh, <laughs> god i i've ranted about this so many times i i i, I hate the reestablishing of of already well-known characters it just it's such filler and and it just makes me so angry yeah i feel like if you're if you're walking into a freddy versus jason movie and you don't know where they came from like maybe just turn around and walk back out exactly <laughs> exactly what kind of who are who you know is going to see freddie versus jason that is blissfully unaware who these characters are yeah i'm like yeah. who's gonna who's gonna look at that poster and go <laughs> well i don't know who those cut-ups are but i want to see what these two do together like all of a sudden you're putting joe piscopo with somebody and like well i like one of them so this has got to be great <laughs> but, but i feel like this establishes that freddie has really <laughs> adhesive saliva and I don't know if we've gotten to that before in the in the story of Freddy. <laughs> no, I wasn't aware. No, we have built up what Freddy can do with his tongue way too much. Okay, that's true. That's true. I mean, the, the, the tongue flicking and it coming out of the phone and I'm your boyfriend now. Like, we, got, we have to collectively, as a society, get over it eventually. Like, it was fun. Fine. But he can't magically stick pictures to what looks like construction paper like he has bound his own evidence vault <laughs> that is super fucking weird which is a which is yet again a new twist that is not something that he was shown to do before yeah yeah he's a he, what do they call it when someone has a hobby of putting things together in a book a scrapbooker scrapbooker he's a scrapbooker on top of child murderer which is an upgrade from the remake, which we just covered, which it was revealed that he was a child molester. And that took all the fun in Dick finger quotes out of nightmare on Elm street into this, where we once again 
the filmmakers believe if you see him killing children, then that's going to be scary. And it turns out it's just gross. It's just you're adding gross to this. Yeah, I don't need to see him kill children to believe that he's a child killer. <laughs> it's right. You know, it's 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 implied. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like the witch in uh, in the uh, uh, Gretel and Hansel or something like that. Like you, you don't have to see her eating a long series of children. I get it. She's a child eater. <laughs> like that's fine. I, I don't need to see her menu or how often she does it or five minute craft videos where she's telling you how to make cookies out of child flesh. It's or, fine. Or like holding a cookbook that says the, the art of cooking Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> or her foodie that's Instagram. Good. That's just pictures of children. <laughs> like she has an extensive pinterest of just you know child dishes we get it you can just tell me that and be fine i don't need to see freddie hanging out in what looks like his uh divorced dad look sharpening (laughs) the knife (laughs) what what is he a hipster what is he why does he have a leather red leather coat like is he going to eddie murphy's raw later on that night and he just wants to theme out he looked to me like an off-duty trucker (laughs) yeah yeah he did and 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 again like like, this is all known this has all been established at least three times in 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 past movies he was a child killer the parents set fire to him. He came back. He killed a bunch of people. And then, implausibly, he was forgotten. We, we forgot about this, this, uh, this, this, you know, supernatural being that killed 90 people or so <laughs> in, the same, in, in, like in the same little small town. He, he has been forgotten in, in that, you know, impossibly long decade between when, when this movie was made and when the last Nightmare on Elm Street movie was made. You know how America likes to give up on serial killers. We just walk away <laughs> from right. them. Yeah, we, we just forget. We didn't have the Internet in 2003. Yeah, we, we, we didn't have you know, social media in 2003 where people could talk about this kind of thing. Like, you know, message boards dedicated entirely to, to true crime. Nope, none of that. You know, collect, no. collectively forgotten. I'm sure no one would have written a quick paperback knockoff of his exploits or anything. You know, like never, that. never showed up on uh, you know, Dateline NBC or anything like that. Nope. Forgotten. Was he, was the previous uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie to this one, it didn't like in any way describe him going away for a long time or something like that. There's no, he, why, why is he forgotten? Well, I mean, Freddy's dead has the entire, um, that they, the towns run out of children. And so collectively, what? No, that's not real. Are you serious? (laughs) No, it is. Oh, it is. The entire premise of of Freddy's Dead is that the like the parents are in some sort of fugue state because all of the all the children are gone. All the children are dead. Oh, and they wander around with deflated, dusty balloons. And Roseanne Barr shows up. And you're kind of like, what you sound like you're this? absolutely making this up on the top of your head. Am I? It sounds like a make like a dream you're describing to me. Am I tripping right now? Like, this is what tripping is. Yes, and yes. Wow. Why are we uh, watching that? But yeah, all, Freddy's dead. He's Freddy's dead. He's like banished. I guess is that the word you use for it, Patrick? Like, like 
you know, he's sent to hell. Yeah. And for some reason, when you send someone's soul to hell, it makes you know the living forget about you, which hmm. no. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't think that's I mean, you know, of course, it depends on your, you know, your personal belief system. If you believe in heaven and hell, you know, that's a whole other thing. But I think that someone dying does not make you forget them. Like, let alone collectively forget someone. No. It's movie bullshit. I mean, it's all movie bullshit, but it is a weird flex, as the kids say in Freddy's Dead. And here they do a complete reversal of that idea. And I guess you would have to, to, to smash all these stupid things together. I, I just don't remember all this shoe leather being dedicated to putting Frankenstein and Dracula in the same place. We were like, <laughs> Hey, we got we to make sure they're right next to one another. It's like, yeah, we defrosted Frankenstein. Let's like put a werewolf brain in him. And, and they do. Yeah. I would have, it, you know, it would have made about as much sense and been less stupid if one of them had just been brought back by like someone fucking around with a Ouija board or something. <laughs> and then like the other one, like hitched a ride back into, into the earthly realm. It, it, it you know, it, it, I don't want to say it would have made more sense. It still would have been dumb as hell, but you wouldn't have had to have this absolutely absurd notion that no one, you know, once again, the young people of Elm street don't know about this child killer that was in their town a decade ago. I think the greatest tragedy of Springwood that they don't really bring up in the movies is that their water has a very high lead content and the children never learn about town history in any way, shape or form. And I mean, so they're, to they be, have very short term memory problems. To be fair, I mean, it's still not as dumb and insulting to the audience as the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street that suggests that it was the parents that gaslit their children into forgetting that Freddy Krueger molested them. Wow. <laughs> Who also raked at them with Wolverine claws. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah. Have you guys seen the remake of Nightmare? No. no. no I'm good. What are you? I'm all right. Thank you. Good Lord. No. <laughs> Don't. I disrecommend. I disrecommend it. Holy I shit. Mean, if you disliked how Dream Child went down, imagine that on a scale of ten. Whereas Dream Ugh. Child tries to make this rando where it thinks it's making this uh sort of pro-choice move movie and but secretly is making a very pro-life movie in the remake they're like hey you know what's great um when you're abused by somebody and then it works and then they they come they keep doubling down on terrible ideas and terrible ideas and terrible ideas and it's very brown on top of it it's very brown it's very brown the the color palette that's not a code for something right no yeah it's no it's, the color is very brown okay. yeah everything is very brown, brown and brown it's brown on brown like stacks on stacks but brown what we also <laughs> learned uh that's very new in freddy versus jason that we had never really been shown before is that the uh, parents of Springwood are terrible at throwing Molotov cocktails. <laughs> they sort of heave them as if they are, it's a shot put and not an object to be tossed. They kind of heave it upward, <laughs> in an upward arc. From the shoulder. <laughs> like there's a form to it that they're trying to qualify for the Olympics in. <laughs> Olympic Molotov cocktail throwing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it would make the Olympics more exciting. Yeah, I would watch that. Absolutely. You just light, you just, you just light that tor- that big torch by just throwing a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> Throw them into the crowd. Throwing the Olympic torch at child murderers. I mean, this is something we could all get behind. I call it a win-win. This does lead to Freddie naming my new favorite MTV show, Naughty to Nightmare. I think it's going to be really good next season. <laughs> he was naughty, but now he's a nightmare. What? The f- what? <laughs> he wasn't like, naughty. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so yeah. impish. This- <laughs> Ooh, what have I done? Killed another child. <laughs> uh, my favorite headline so far in this movie and in a franchise rife with crazy headlines is child killer set fire. <laughs> That doesn't make sense. Not set free, set fire. So set fire. Set a fire where? Oh, it's uh burning up. Once they throw the Molotov cocktail and everything starts to light on fire, his evidence book uh has a <laughs> inexplicably a headline from the future as if he has been in Doc Brown's car and been gambling on sporting events or something. And it says child killer set fire. I think they meant to say child killer set free as in he had been brought in by police and could not be convicted as <laughs> is, uh, it's stated in the first one. Or, or he set or he literally set a fire and uh, can you believe this guy? First he kills kids. Now he's setting fires. <laughs> There's no end to this. This guy's out of control. Next thing you know, he's going to be running stop signs. <laughs> <laughs> this guy can't be stopped. Uh, as Gina mentioned earlier, uh, I want to alert our audience to really look out for Freddy teeth watch. So far, I've caught him in three different sets of teeth. In the close-up, he's got the sharp teeth, but don't get too attached to them because they will disappear with two other sets of teeth in just this 20-minute sequence. So apparently someone got obsessed with what Freddy's teeth look like. Yeah, he's got... He, he- He's got the shark teeth, and like I said, he's got these like slipknot contact lenses, <laughs> where they're like they're like light blue, but like shot through with you know, with red uh, red veins. I'm like, oh, is he a vampire now? Okay, he's not not a vampire. I mean, we watched Jason become a vampire, so why not Freddy? <laughs> when did Jason become a vampire? In uh, part eight. Not literally. He just, there's a scene where he just comes lurking out of the shadows of very Bela Lugosi moon. We just determined oh, okay. that he became a vampire at some point. He snatches a Canadian cop into the alleyway, into the shadows. <laughs> That's uh, right. Like yeah, he yeah, has yeah. a cape. Yeah. I am very impressed by your deep and abiding knowledge of these franchises, guys. I truly am. <laughs> yes, impressed. <laughs> I am I am often impressed but by how little you're able to retain from a lot of these movies that you're able to wash. Oh, yeah. In and out. Wash <laughs> your soul from whatever. Like you keep a small bit, but you really wash away what you did not care for from a lot of them. And I, I think that's a very admirable trait. It's one of my best traits. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> I also wouldn't call this knowledge. We've just, we've, we've watched these movies too carefully and we've taken way too many notes. It's, it's not a good thing. It's occasionally funny, hopefully, but I don't know that it's good. Uh, The other thing that this movie seems to retain from specifically Jason goes to hell is the Terminator two blue look everywhere. 
it's a lot of blue. It's a very blue movie. It's so it's so weird. It's I, he also he was melted down in part eight. Are we just ignoring the the melting portion yes. of his lifespan quotes? I guess so. I mean, like the knowledge that we learned that Manhattan is awash in nuclear waste, toxic waste every night at midnight, according to the guy who works there. I mean, Gina lives in New York. She lives with this phenomenon constantly. Gina, how has being awash in toxic waste nightly at midnight? Well, you know, the third arm makes things really really handy when I'm grocery shopping, you know, I have that extra hand to, to carry yeah. the, the bags. You know, sometimes it's, you know, it gets in the way of things, but it's, it's, you know, it's more of a convenience <laughs> and a hindrance. There you go. See, you're looking on the positive side of life, G that's, that's. And it, it helps to fight off the chud too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the wolfen, you know, when the wolfen come, you gotta, oh, yeah, you gotta yeah, throw yeah. out that big old vat of, of uh, toxic waste like that holds them at bay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wolf and vision. God Hell me. yeah. Um, Hell yeah. So, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we're introduced to a character, not by name, but I learned her name here as we transition from Nightmare on Elm Street to Crystal Lake. Her name is Heather. So the first person Jason quote unquote kills here is Heather. Is this to be, is this supposed to be like a, like a, you know, wink? Her name's Heather. Cause I mean, her name is never mentioned. It is supposed to be a wink, but literally not you closing your <laughs> eyelid, but someone going <laughs> and it coming across the screen. Can, can, I, can I say font. something poten- potentially uh, uh, not kind about this actress? I know we try not to do this, but I sort of feel the same way, but it probably sounds better coming out of your She mouth. has got the worst boob job I've oh. ever seen in any of these movies. Thank you for not making me be the one to say it. <laughs> it, it it's I, I have in all my nose boob job. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, they don't move. It it is fascinating. She paid somebody to to do that to her. I just feel bad for her because it feel it it looks uncomfortable, and I just don't think anyone should have to feel that uncomfortable about their body. It's terrible. It's just such a shame. I, I'm sure she's a nice person. I, I don't maybe. know what Doctor Nick Riviera did that work on her, but I hope he got his license <laughs> taken away from him at some point. The the look of the women in this film um, has three things that I'm very glad are not really a thing anymore, which is uh, big fake boobs very thin eyebrows and very low rise jeans. And it was just nice to look back on those things and say like, not anymore. <laughs> this is very 2003. Like the, the whole yeah. look, it's very 2003. Yeah. It, her eyebrows look like they were drawn on by peanuts creator, Charles Schultz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a rough era for the brow. It really was. They, they took, they took tweezing to a new level. And it just everything about the outfit. And I guess it's a throwback to like what people like from part two or whatnot. But every time we get one of these skip skinny dipping scenes, it just, it never really comports with reality. The point of skinny dipping is to make people embarrassed about their bodies and jump into cold water. That's it. There's no other benefits (laughs) to it. It's I feel like sexy. that, particularly the way the scene is shot, it's it's a little bit of having its cake and eating it too. 
in which it's a you know oh look here we're here we're, we're parodying scenes in these movies where the woman always gets naked and skinny dips this is so stupid right and but you know what she's still naked so you're watching so yeah. in in defense of the uh artours behind this film <laughs> isn't this jason's nightmare <laughs> So this is like what Freddy thinks skinny dipping would look like? Or did I read this scene incorrectly? That's true. No, I think you were I think you were right. This is Jason's sleeping dream because his brain never truly dies. Oh, so I, he's just reliving his greatest hits or something. You said hits? <laughs> Not intentionally, but it works. I'm extremely into the idea that Freddie's like, what would it look like if a woman was naked? Okay, she's going to jump in the water. You ready? Okay, here she goes. She looks like she'd date a Mike. Like, this is what he thinks sexy is. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna take part of my shirt and rub it on my back. Like that? That's so like weird. Them's, yeah, it's, it's all... It's all super. Yeah, weird. that's true. That's true. That that you're right. That none of this is actually happening. There, this person is not real, and neither are her fake. They're incredibly bad fake boobs. Yeah, they're, they're just special effects, practical <laughs> effects. Yeah, they're his mind special effects. <laughs> <laughs> um, we the 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 forests of Crystal Lake have morphed so many times over the years. I think this is the first time we get a real honest to goodness Vancouver CW DCEU extended universe looking forest. I mean, it almost looks like ET is going to wander out at some point. It's it doesn't <laughs> look like New Jersey. Let's put it out there. No. Oh, yeah, she's like nailed not. to a redwood. Like, it's like <laughs> no joke. Like that tree is 30 feet in circumference. <laughs> We've seen Jason evolve over the years into different itinerations. Obviously, every makeup artist is going to try to do their version of it. This version of Jason is very purple, <laughs> um, which is an odd flex. And also, New Line seems to be very in love with the idea that Jason only grows hair out of the back left side of his skull. <laughs> Jason's hair. Oh, the side oh. skull it. Yeah, the size. <laughs> um, in Jason X, he was curly, which was interesting because we'd never really seen him with a kink in his hair. Oh, it was, yeah, it was like a Brillo pad. Ugh. Yeah, that was some that was some bad hair. That that was some remarkably I mean, bad and hair. And in part two, like he has a real flowing mane. Like it's it's out there. It's wild, baby. And then somewhere between the Friday and the Saturday that Friday the 13th 3D takes place, he goes to Gold's gym and just really maxes out and loses all it's that. All the, well, it's all, it's, it's all the steroids. But so, once he got to New Line, they just really bring out that skullet, <laughs> as it were. Uh, and the, we see it in the spotlighted against the moon several times. <laughs> I'm not really sure what it's about. And of course, the worst thing about this version about of Jason, and that is a jacket. Again, folks, don't put Jason in a jacket. He doesn't need a coat. He doesn't need to layer. Is he cold? I was gonna say, he, you know, are you are you when you're undead? Are you cold? I, I, yeah, like he's he literally born from reborn from the grave here. And he's like, oh, thank goodness I got this jacket. Like, what do you, he doesn't need to layer everyone. He's undead. Just and don't put I'd, him in a jacket. I'd like to see him in a sweater. He'd look pretty all right. 
Like that one yeah. his mom used to hey, wear. And mom had a killer yeah. sweater. Mom had a great. Pam had a what 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 a family friend of ours called a rich boy sweater when we put one on our baby boy once upon a time. Aww. That sort of very Irish spring looking uh, knit, that Irish knit that uh, fishermen wear. Sure. Yeah. Uh, here, uh, a rich boy sweater. <laughs> here, Pamela is reborn in a red sweater, which I don't. I know they're trying to allude to the fact that it's really Freddy or whatnot. Uh, who cares? But. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's not the same i want i want i want she's not pam 2.0 is not quite the same let's just she's not yeah, giving off whatever. loving mother vibes i was just saying that um her vibe is more like jason we're the the calls aren't coming anymore we need you to take this job we need the money <laughs> Getting the old band back together. Then <laughs> she she pulls some she pulls some horse shit. Was oh, turns out you'll make, you can never die. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah. Does she did he know that before this? I guess. I mean, he never really has died. I mean, they stabbed him with that big penis knife, and Jason goes to hell, and Tinkerbells flew out of his chest. But then he was right back for Jason X, which led to nowhere. Talk about a movie that ends with someone turning into goop. They launched him onto another planet. It didn't seem to matter here. So I, I guess we consider mm. Jason X an Elseworlds style tale. Or it hasn't come true yet. <laughs> sure, it's in the future, right? Oh, yeah, it's very in the future. for sure. Everyone's wearing multiple knits. Uh, every they they're in a Canadian spaceship the entire time. It's great. <laughs> yeah, because nobody apparently nobody ever thought to just cremate his corpse, which would seem to be the the most logical step to take with a a, a serial killer that cannot be killed through through normal means. I mean, we never see any authorities from Crystal Lake involved in here. All the authorities seem to be Springwood based, so. They're really out of their element. And spoiler alert, a little bit later, uh, Monica Kina, in a scene that we are not covering here, says, Jason was killed by water, Freddie by fire. How can we use that? As like regular dialogue. <laughs> Just says what? it out loud. She actually says it with her mouth. <laughs> Those words beam out of her face hole. Just right <laughs> out of the screen. Uh, Heather dies by reverse get bunked. Uh, a get bunked is when you die through something else. Um, here, she dies from a machete, but the machete continues on through the tree. So it's kind of a get bunked, get bunked, but in reverse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for more get bunks as we go along. Uh, Friday the 13th tradition that I would love to continue. Uh, the CGI blood in this scene is the worst. Oh, yeah. It's it's atrocious. And then there's a real curveball when we finally get to that font, which is very formal. Um, Jeez. We get a new metal burst. and Because 2003. Oh. Um, <laughs> you guys were involved in music at this point, right? Why? 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 Why is this happening to my ears here? Oh, I don't know. Don't blame me for new metal. Yeah, this, this, is weird, this has nothing to do with us. I'm just saying you're closer to the music world than I am. I can explain uh -huh. saga cells and why they needed to reinforce the, their dumb mythologies here. But that music is atrocious. 
And they felt this is what the people want when they see the words Freddy versus Jason come across the screen. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> I just felt it is bad for the band that got like the last four seconds of a song on the soundtrack. <laughs> it's just like some guy going, yeah, all right, we're doing bye. <laughs> and that's the end of the song. <laughs> okay. Next Tuesday. Great. Thanks, Freddie. <laughs> Thank you, Freddie. Good night. Uh, welcome to Elmwood, uh, Elm Street, Springwood, Canada, which is a great uh, lo- replacement for the usual locations that we see in Hollywood. Uh, this 1428 Elm Street has a yellow door. We've seen blue and we've seen red. Yellow's brand new. And I assume it's intentional, but I can't imagine what that intention is. Hmm. I, it is because it's not like a combination of, it's not a purple door. It's not a combination <laughs> of blue and red. You're just like, no, we're going to go with a completely different color that none of them own. It's yellow. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's part of the whole you know collective making Elm Street forget about Freddy Krueger is we'll do a minor change to the house. Uh, we, we meet our uh, sort of... Uh, a trio of protagonists here. First up is Gib, uh, the only character that I actually care about because uh, she's played by exploitation legend Catherine Isabel. Then uh, sh- we find out that she is drilling two of her friends uh, that uh, and they are inexplicably friends, at least for this movie. The first is Monica Keener, who's playing Lori, who's dressed in what appears to be Drew Barrymore drag. <laughs> um. and uh then uh one third or one fourth depending on the era of destiny's child it's kelly roland listen i want to say right now nobody better say a bad word about kelly roland i i do want to point out that that like with a lot of these movies my first question is as always how old are these people supposed to be 37 well (laughs) (laughs) because because they keep being referred to often as kids and and i am kind of making there's like that reaction meme of homer simpson kind of staring at his computer with like his eyes squinted up and i'm like kids okay sure (laughs) believe it or not all three of these actresses were born the same year so they're not different ages they're all the same age. They're just all too old to be in high school. And I will not say a bad thing about Kelly Rowland. Thank you. She's an angel. But for a, as far as acting is concerned, she <laughs> is one hell of a singer. And she is also dressed. <laughs> she is dressed in a lot of chunky jewelry. I just don't, it doesn't, she seems like she's in another movie. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yes, she deserves to be in a better movie. Yes. Um, They're playing Fuck, Mary Kill with the Three Stooges. And I will say that Kelly's answer is not wrong. Curly would make for a great lover. And I think that Larry is more emotionally available for a long-term commitment. (laughs) Mo's too punchy. (laughs) He is. No, you want to get Mo I was going to say, Mo's is flat out out abusive. So he would not make a suitable (laughs) husband material at all. He's both physically and emotionally abusive. I don't, you need to get him out mm-hmm. of the picture. I put down low rise jeans, the movie. So Katie, Ugh. once again, nailed such it. a bad look. It's not good for anybody. And this movie seems addicted to water bras. You can see <laughs> it's, it's a very visible bra movie and I'm not really sure what's up with that. 
Um, one of my favorite movies, Josie and the Pussycats. No one wears underwear, and everyone benefits from it. No, no man, no woman, probably none of the pets. No one's wearing underwear, and it's all thumbs up. Here, everyone's wearing way too much underwear, and you can see all of it, even though they're all wearing clothes. I feel like that's of the time, though, right? Like, isn't <laughs> it was the look, though? Yeah, it was very yeah. much the look. Absolutely, yeah. Like you always had, like you know, the underwear sticking out, the bra strap exposed, and and it was not a good look, but it was a look. Yeah, I feel like this is the era of the whale tail. You know, the just the thong pulled up over your hips with your pants down around your butt crack. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. You're Mm -hmm. just going to math class. Like great look. (laughs) Just Kelly Rolla going to math class with your whale tail. Yeah. As God intended. 2003. <laughs> Enter Trey and Blake, two people who are not the same person despite acting and looking exactly alike. And of course, their names are Trey and Blake. They are the most <laughs> Trey and Blake people to ever existed. Yeah, it's as if someone pushed the Trey and Blake buttons and they just popped out into existence. You can tell that Trey's an asshole because he uses the word babe frequently. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask, when did that become just just a sign of utter assholeish insincerity? Babe. <laughs> I don't know, but boy, the, the film language, you just pick it up instantly. I don't know, but I've definitely experienced it. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, when like when you, you see people posting online that they love their babe, you're like, oh God. <laughs> it just sounds so gross and insincere. And I and I don't know why. It's just a perfectly innocuous word, but somehow it got corrupted into just a, a you know, a sign of, of smarmy insincerity. It was probably after pig in the city. A little talking pig. I have some friends who use it like largely as an insult to each other where they'll be like, it's sort of like that scene in um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation where the where she's like, why is the floor wet, Todd? And he's like, I don't know, Margo. But my friends say that replacing their names with babe. <laughs> I don't know, babe. It, no, it works. Uh, Lori's house has all the personal touches of a Homewood Suites by Hilton. Uh, we, we get to see two sunset photos over the couch, which is a dazzling set design on display in this movie. <laughs> and then Lori's back, Lori's backstory feels like a nod to Freddie's revenge in that, uh, like that movie where everyone, the entire school was invested in getting Meryl laid. Uh, now it feels like everyone is going to earn college credit if Lori gets bored. Oh, it's so weird. It's so weird to see, you know, young, you know, teenage women just pushing there. Do you just, just, hey, look, this guy walked through the door of your house. Why don't you sleep with him? <laughs> but I don't like but, him. Yeah, well, you know, you, it, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, he's got two nose holes and a penis. <laughs> like, make it work. You know, it's like you need to get laid 16 year old you're not getting any younger (laughs) (laughs) and again i feel like this is a very very you know i you know male driven sure this is how women talk to each other of course it is it does not feel like a woman is involved in any point no in this absolutely not process absolutely not Speaking of wieners, uh, we get to see uh, Blake or Trey. I can't remember which one. 
yank on his wiener through his wet jeans while he's sitting on a leather chair, which is just gross. Man, put a put a towel down. That's a Blake the ball scratcher. That's his it's his signature move. <laughs> he is yanking down on it like um he's trying to disconnect it from his torso. It's it's violent. I assumed he, he had to go pee pee. <laughs> Just he, Blake, honey, say words, say words. Tell me what you need. <laughs> Gina, um, what do you know about feng shui? <laughs> um, I, I know that it's probably not successful as a, as, you know, a way to hit on someone. Uh, I try to put myself in, 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 a, in a woman's shoes from a, an empathetic point. But of course, there are many things that hold me back from that. So, so I will just ask Katie and, and Gina here. Has, have you ever been hit on by a guy who's stuffed a pillow into his crotch? Is that a move that works in real life? I mean, I, I assume it's to you know, hide one's uh, um, excitement. So <laughs> probably when I was a teenager, maybe. I have not experienced it, but I'm not saying it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> You never know. You might get hit on with, with someone like Trey, who we're told has a very nice ass. But I would say B minus at best. I'd have to see it for myself. You can't tell in those big jeans. Yeah, I was going to say they're, they're not form fitting <laughs> jeans. You really can't see it. He's also wearing a very voluminous shirt, which is odd for 2003. But OK. Every conversation with Lori seems to evoke some part of her backstory. So when Kelly Rowland's talking to her at first, like, hey, you need to you need to get laid. And she's like, but I had a boyfriend when I was 14 and then he disappeared. And then in another conversation, she's like, just give this guy a chance. And she's like, how can I give a guy a chance? My mom died. Very natural. Very very natural. natural. uh, very, Very natural exposition. (laughs) <laughs> um, we we see the return of a filmmaking technique that we haven't seen in Friday the 13th in a really long time. So I got very excited about it. A killer POV shot for the first time since 1983. We got one, baby. He's walking up the stairs. And as we know, Jason's premier gift beyond being immortal, we now learn, is that he knows your fuck style and can use it against you. And so... <laughs> it's very true he just he knows your fuck style and as a result like he can find a way to turn that around on you it may work for you in the sack but in life it can get you killed if he's involved so so he's he's paraphrasing metallica with your fuck style determined your death style (laughs) yes yes okay those exact words (laughs) (laughs) oh I, I was very worried about where these two are having sex because if it's Lori's room, <laughs> that doesn't look like a teenage girl's room. And if it is it a spare room, it just looks very Also, they don't have the door closed, which <laughs> gross. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've probably all been. I hope it's not her widowed dad. Yeah, we've, all, we've all been in, in homes where other people are, are you know, you know, getting involved, let's say. But you close the fucking door. Come on. That's some decency. I assume, I assume they think the lightning and thunder is going to cover up their very ADR sex noises, which to me seem highly suspicious. <laughs> um, 
And so because Jason understands their lovemaking style, he knows that Trey, quote unquote, does not like to be touched after. <laughs> so Catherine Isabel's body double goes to take a shower. Body double as hell. I love that. That's so mean. <laughs> well, I listen, Catherine Isabel does not need to none of these people need to get naked for my entertainment. I'm on uh record as such. Also, I don't need to see an actual person's body. That's not for me, but it's a very obvious body double because it's shot from over her, the top, the crown of her head. And uh, we learn once she goes off that Trey is luxuriating in flannel boxers. Oh, 2003 again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Were lumberjack male prostitutes a look in 2003? I might not have been on the market at the time. So I, I mean, I definitely wonder. wore the hell out of some flannel boxers in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I recall that being a heavy, uh, heavy rotation in, in, yes. in you know what? I, I, then, then I retract my statement. It is true to life. Um, you can only imagine how uncomfortable they are, though. they seem overly roomy and depending on the season i guess i now understand why they're yanking on their cranks they don't they don't breathe not a breathable material (laughs) no it's meant to retain heat so uh as he's getting a beer he's surprised by jason who stabs him multiple times through the back and then into the bed in our second reverse get bunked of the movie and we're only 13 minutes in and just to add insult to injury by machete uh, Trey is folded backwards, a la uh, Jason lives. That's, that's pretty. It's pretty gnarly. I, I do, I do, I do appreciate that. It's very. It's a very good death. I quite enjoyed there, it. There was like a split second. Yeah, his meat comes through the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It, it's so weird. <laughs> it looked like meat coming through butcher paper. Don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but there's that split second right before Jason stabs him that he's like making eye contact and then looks down and like. Did you just check this guy out before you murdered him? <laughs> like, All right. That's what's up. <laughs> All right. Uh, flannel boxers. That's what's happening now. Okay. Listen, I'm a child of the eighties. Anyways, stab, stab, stab. Meet through the paper. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, and the, uh, Trey also uh, squeezes all the beer out of his can, which I know what they're going for and it's gross and they should stop. Um, <laughs> Catherine Isabel steps in some blood as a callback. Everything in this movie is a callback. Steps in some blood, which is a callback to Friday 8 yet again. And uh, screams. She's got a fantastic scream. Everyone runs out the door into this torrent of rain. And that is where we uh, enter Lachlan Monroe, uh, a character actor who has been on all sorts of things, probably because he's Canadian. Uh, He was last seen by me in Space Buddies a movie I had to watch almost every day when my child was three years old. <laughs> I was going to say, um, you mentioned Lachlan a- Monroe, and I was like, because 2003. <laughs> you look at his IMDb, and the man did not have a spare weekend up until 2010, and then things tend to free up for him. You guys are talking about Stubbs? <laughs> <laughs> Officer Stubbs? Officer not David Arquette and Scream. <laughs> They wouldn't have minded if you thought it was. Yeah, he's in, there's a lot of frosted tips for a small town sheriff's. <laughs> there really are. <laughs> that is a very distinct look. And, uh, you know, I, uh, Ryan Seacrest, very professional guy. If you're writing lines for him, he will nail it. He will also remember your name, no matter how long it's been between shoots. But that look only looks good on him. 
and that one kid from NSYNC. And everyone else, it kind of looks stupid. And yeah, so many people did it. We are, are, are then we cut to all the sheriffs arriving and we notice that uh, the uh, Springwood police have gone from denying everything about Freddy Krueger to sort of trying to keep it undercover. Uh, and one of the one of the deputies says, killed in bed. It's even the same damn house. Uh, who was killed in bed at 1428 Elm Street? Someone please remind me who this um, person was. Is it, jo- are they talking about Joyce? I guess they the are, yeah. Descended into a phantasm. Pit? But yeah, was like her body ever found? I mean, it rises back up very burned because uh, a flaming Freddy was on top of her, giving her the throttle business. But yeah, I mean, and then people just walk out of the room like, all right, we've seen that. Let's just walk away from this. But there's these are very two different murder scenes between phantasm pit burns and stabbed and folded in half backwards. That's I guess I thought they were alluding to Johnny Depp's death, but that would have been in a different house, wouldn't it? He's a, he's across the street. Yeah, across the street. Yeah, I mean, she can yeah, see yeah, it yeah. from her from from fourteen twenty eight. So yeah, I crop top jersey. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think these cops are great. I just, in terms of our, our, our crystal Lake CSI, they were terrible. They picked up an ax with their bare hands and then put it in plastic. They're not great cops. Springwood, very corrupt. So I think we're getting a combination of incompetence and incredible stupidity. So then we we cut to a police station where Lori is peering out at everyone else as if she's a dog in a window hoping to get adopted. <laughs> and, and listen, if, I, this might this entire movie might be watching her move her head back and forth in micro decisions. Yeah, we see we we see a lot of the wheels turning in in, in her mind, and, and they don't always result in anything, but they do turn. So. I liked that scene because right before it, the cops like keep them all separated. And then we cut to her alone and everybody else leaving the building. (laughs) I thought that was very adorable. (laughs) They're not good at listening to commands. Horror movie cops. (laughs) Um, And so uh, this is where she, I guess, overhears someone saying the words Freddy Krueger. And then she somehow wills herself into remembering the name Freddy Krueger and instantly gets sucked into the dream world, which I can't, and like, I, I, I hate, I, I hate this concept so much. I, I hate that she doesn't know who Freddy Krueger is. I, I hate it. It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. And yet it is the entire crux of this film that he is trying to make everyone remember <laughs> the adjacent to be scaredy cats. I mean, that's like, that, that's this- like, I, I mentioned this all off before we started recording. That's like not knowing who Ted Bundy is. Sure. Uh, but I bet you, if you wandered out into the world before that Netflix movie and all the other documentaries and the dozens of podcasts, I'm sure you're going to hit some 17 year old who doesn't know who Ted Bundy is. But do they live in the house where Ted Bundy killed people? Because then you would know. Right. Do they live in the town where he you yeah. know, I mean, okay, fine, Ted Bunny killed people all over the country, but you know, just for purposes of argument, did they live in the town where it all happened? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, listen, I'm just, I'm just being everyone's favorite mode of personality, the devil's advocate. I mean, I mean, how does that not, how does it not become like a thing that kids scare other kids with? Yeah. Like, you know, boogeyman stories and all. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm thinking of, what was it, Katie, was it Scraform? 
Scream Scream Four, where they had like the people were like putting up the placards for the the killer on the anniversary of the death and all that stuff. Oh yeah, I think it was. I think you're right about that. So that town never forgot. No. <laughs> well, that town is keeping it together. Uh, Springwood is not. It's true. First of all, they all forgot that that Springwood has almost always been in Venice, California, and and not Ohio until Freddie's dead. They'd never mention Ohio until Freddie's dead. And then all of a sudden it becomes Ohio, which is apparently surrounded by New Jersey's woods. Because once again, Jason has walked a third of the country to get to uh, Springwood. And no one has noticed this backwoods mutant riding the rails like a hobo. <laughs> um, once she's in. Well, we know he's fast. So <laughs> that's true. He's just night crawling across the country, bamfing everywhere he goes. Sure. Makes perfect sense. So we get a bunch of like, oh, look at the kids that he's murdered. Again, we've been down that road. Doesn't make it scarier. It's a whole bunch of not your daddy's Freddy, which I don't particularly care for. But we see the reemergence of the international dead girl jump rope team. <laughs> They're back. Gina. I'm glad we got to hear the song. God bless. And and no boys cluttering this up. This is not an intramural team. I just want to see dead girls in white dresses jumping rope to the best of their ability. <laughs> Single Dutch. <laughs> no. It, it, double Dutch. It's it, you then it begins to get quote unquote urban you got to keep a single <laughs> rope in there and pristine white dresses uh just keeping time with that that song uh and then we learned that the girl that we saw at the very front of this movie had, had her eyes scratched out by freddie okay it, it looks very cgi and goofy also like when she says uh freddie really likes children especially little girls it's like why are you explaining this to me it's horrific i get it like i don't need to hear a child saying that it's it's just it's tasteless it reinforces a very weird point in these movies which made sense in the original in that uh these were the children that i hunted after and now after i died i've come back and now they are teenagers and now i'm going to finish them off but it's been so long if you really love to kill children and we're getting into this headspace, everyone. So congratulations. If that's really your thing, why are you constantly killing teenagers off now? Like, why did you make this jump? Like, Oh, listen, I liked kids for a while, but now that I'm into teenagers, that's, that's oh, the medium I'm working in. Yeah. You don't generally evolve. Do you? I'm in my teenage uh, phase. I, Every part of it becomes more and more distasteful, but I don't, I don't want to think about the distasteful details. I just want to be entertained by this goofy imp who happens to murder people in fantastic ways. And they keep inserting all of this grossness into it to make it seem scary. But I, that's not what people find scary, everyone. Yeah, it's just very, you know, oh, this isn't bothering you enough. Let's, let's keep on some more of these unpleasant elements. It's like you really no. don't have to do that. Speaking of unpleasant elements, let's cut to Blake's house. Uh, we met Blake earlier when he uh, was clutching a pillow to a, what we think was an erect penis. And <laughs> allegedly speak for yourself. I assumed it was a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I got to hide this hoagie. <laughs> just smuggling a hoagie. <laughs> and he's all busted up. 
from uh, the discovery of uh, what we can only assume to be his best and only friend or clone. <laughs> um, and uh, his dad is not a natural screen presence. It's almost as if you can see his lips move as he's counting his steps to hit his mark. He walks out from the front door and literally turns mechanically as if he is on a, a turntable. <laughs> when his dad walked outside, I had the horrific notion that his father was Alex Jones when I first looked at him. And I was like, no! <laughs> he looks just like Alex Jones. Just like him. Thank you. Blake, what are you doing? You're supposed to be selling these brain pills. <laughs> Blake, you gotta buy gold. <laughs> I bet he doesn't even believe that his friend was killed. <laughs> False flag. Blake, you gotta get over this. Have you ever heard of a thing called crisis actors? <laughs> That's what Trey was. Like, I'm going to blame Obama for this somehow. Like, <laughs> I don't believe in lawyer, lawyers or the court system, and I'm getting killed because of it. But anyways, um, we are informed of some very unfortunate information about Blake from, from his dad. And that is, he was supposed to be watching his younger sister when he decided to go out <laughs> and get his beak wet or transport his hoagie across town in his pants, whatever he was, his intentions were. I mean, that makes it even worse. It's like, there's a guy out there killing people. And also you left your sister here alone, which is like, Ugh. all right. I hated him already. We don't need, to, we don't need to overdo it. Everyone. She's probably better off, which is interesting because he also has this dad who's being mean to him, like in a way that's supposed to make him seem sympathetic. I think even though his dad looks like uh, Alex Jones and not like a stereotypical mean movie dad. Yeah. I think we're supposed to be like, Oh, his dad doesn't understand him, but also like he apparently left a child home alone. So what am I supposed to think of Blake? <laughs> Ultimately, it doesn't really matter, does it? But my best friend just died, Dad. And the dad's <laughs> like, you better watch that attitude, boy. And it walks away. Because <laughs> that's the thing you definitely say to your child. that? You know, after their best friend has been horrifically murdered. You better watch that attitude, boy. <laughs> yeah. Stop, stop mourning the death of your friend. And walking back into the house. This is a great family dynamic. But of course, Elm Street is full of terrible parents. We've literally never met a good parent at Elm Street. Whoa, no, whoa, whoa, no. whoa. John Saxon? John Saxon is handsome. Okay-ish. <laughs> he also, as soon as he sees his wife die in a phantasm pit, instantly starts drinking himself to death. And calling his, his his and abandoning his child and basically saying it's okay, honey, it's okay, honey. So like he comes around at the end, but I mean we like him because he's John Saxon, not because that character is awesome. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this movie needs some John fucking Saxon. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess Blake falls asleep because he's drinking too much. I don't know. <laughs> The, the no one ever seems to fall asleep they just have waking dreams here but whatever so he wanders out into the middle of the street and then he sees a goat <laughs> and what's the deal with that goat it's a callback to dream warriors where a goat shows up out of nowhere but i don't oh, shit <laughs> I, I just it's just like uh, what do we need here what do we need here a goat perfect but it doesn't mean anything you just like see a goat <laughs> 
And then I've never been a fan of Freddie looking straight down the pipe of a camera lens like Ferris Bueller, but we get a lot of it here. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of addressing the camera. It's like he's Deadpool. It's very weird that he's just looking straight into you and going, well, this is what I'm going to do next. Like, just go to Chicago and have a nice time with your girlfriend and your depressed best friend. I don't I don't need this <laughs> commentary. <laughs> now, I'm no tree surgeon, but if you decapitate somebody and just plunk their head back on the stump of their neck, that doesn't stop the bleeding, right? Yeah, there should at least be like a line like going <laughs> around their neck. I mean, I don't care how how you know, how exquisitely sharp your machete is. There's still going to be a line going around that where the, the your your head is separated from your body. Yeah, because he kind of jostle Blake jostles his dad, who's like staring off into space, like he. <laughs> Just got an, uh, but, just got an email that he's run out of brain pills and money. <laughs> I just want to picture. I just picture like Jason, like carefully, slowly putting the head back on the body and like doing that kind of hand thing. Okay, stay, stay, stay. And like, he's like, like, like he's just backing away from it, like, like you know, afraid that if he like moves too fast, it's like the head's gonna fall off and roll away. Yeah, Blake's dad <laughs> is like a Jenga game, and then. And then he gets jostled a little bit, and then you can literally see the the fishing wire of someone yanking that head off because it goes forward. It doesn't go off to the left. <laughs> it goes straight forward for no particular reason. The gravity has shifted, and it's just blood everywhere. And lo and behold, Jason is there. And my favorite part of this sequence is Blake uses his father's severed head as some kind of shield. <laughs> well, he wasn't using it anymore. <laughs> I'm it's not saying you should funny. treasure it like a family heirloom, but it just, <laughs> it was a dose of realism that I enjoyed. <laughs> Katie, before we move on, do you have any other thoughts about what you saw of Freddy versus Jason? <laughs> well, I would like to mention Blake's death. Are we, Blake's death is part of our section, correct? Yes. Um, I am a big fan of him just being sort of like lightly slashed and off camera. Like he puts his hand up. And there's a spray of blood and it didn't even look like, like what happened to him? It's if you're going to fold a man into a bed, you should at least show me how Blake dies. I deserve to see Blake's death. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I don't know why we're denied this, but apparently we're not cool enough to see it for whatever reason. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't earn it for like "Eh, this one you don't get, but everything else you get Hmm. to see in in detail. I, I, I don't, particularly understanding alan any final thoughts on this section of uh, freddy versus jason i'm real happy i didn't have to watch the rest of the movie <laughs> oh yeah i mean I, I felt like i wasn't doing my homework i could lie to you and say it gets better but i don't think that's true <laughs> it's also not the worst <laughs> like we're coming right off of that nightmare remake this is i can't tell you the joy i felt Oh, really? When I had like six deaths right off the top, I'm like, hey, man, I'm right back in my wheelhouse, baby. This is all <laughs> stupid and weird. Yeah, it's a it's something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a bit of a tradition here on the Kill by Kill podcast. We like to play a game called 
choose your own death venture. That is where we decide of the deaths portrayed in this section of the movie. If you were forced to die that way, which one would you choose and why? Up for bid this time, we have eyes gouged out in a murder basement, uh, a reverse get bunked uh, through the tree versus uh, via machete. We have the unseen Mike who's revealed to have his uh, throat slashed. But, uh, you know, like throat slashing Friday the 13th. I mean, whatever. Uh, we also have that reversal get bunked through a mattress and the back breaking on top of it. Then we have the decapitation and reinsertion of head. And finally, random machete attack that we don't see on screen. Uh, Katie, uh, as uh, our, our one of our guests, I choose you to go first. Okay. First, this is going to require me making a bit of a confession, Mm -hmm. which is that it did not occur to me that Blake's father's head had been removed and then placed back on his shoulders. I thought that it was some sort of weird dream thing and it would be explained later and that Blake was somehow able to shake his head off. (laughs) Um, I think because of the lack of line or any like sense that his head had been decapitated. So I'm going to go with um, Alex Jones having your son shake your head off. Is that okay? Uh, no, <laughs> this is your death. You tr- you played by the rules, and I think you you're you're doing just fine. Thank you. So, Alan, uh, what say you? Uh, I'm I'm also going to step outside of the box a little bit on this one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick the slow death of Stubbs's career <laughs> as his. Uh, his superior keeps insulting him every time he does something. Great job out there. Just stay out of the way, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so that's the death that I'm going to take. Just any a sense of self-esteem he may have had. <laughs> but I got these tips. <laughs> I had them done in New York City before I moved here. All the ladies like it. Um, oh, boy. Um, all right, Gina. People are already breaking rules, but say yo. You know, I, I, I'm i a fan of the element of surprise, so I'm going to go with uh, my head getting cut off and very carefully <laughs> placed back on my body. Um, I would normally go that way. I, Gina, you're like me. I enjoy the deaths where I would not feel anything. And I, I like that Blake's dad gets the dignity of having his head put back on top of it like it's one of those toys where you stuff a small ball into some, into a creature's mouth and you squeeze it and it pops out <laughs> <laughs> but i think i'm gonna go with blake's machete attack first of all it's not on screen i think it's very fast but i'm hoping that using blake's dad's head to deflect the machete that um uh, you know maybe I, I don't sustain as much damage <laughs> that that's my my deep and abiding hope that that head is my savior in this situation against Jason Voorhees. Hmm, okay, I like it. Now, would you want to use Blake's dad's head, or would you would it have to be your own dad's head? I would like to use Alex Jones's decapitated oh, head. There we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right. That's what's up. <laughs> and if someone can make that happen, I'm not <laughs> wishing it. I'm saying this is a very fictional universe. So if Alex Jones happened to be decapitated. I would use that head, but his head would have to be decapitated first. That's really not on me. Um, what think, a shame if that were to happen. Just, oh. I would watch that movie. <laughs> I would definitely watch that movie, Katie. You're right. 
And then we'd do an episode about it. We would. <laughs> Movie. I'd see a TikTok about it. So uh, before we go, of course, uh, Katie and Alan, I've talked a lot about your podcast, but do you want to fill in any of our listeners who might not know about it, uh, what they can expect when they, t- I'm not even if, when they tune in to Werewolf and <laughs> Oh, geez. Katie, you want to take this? I knew you were going to say that. Uh, You're more eloquent than I am. Oh, boy. Uh, No pressure. (laughs) I think uh, what you can expect here from Werewolf Ambulance is probably um, a lot um, stupider commentary than this, uh, but more Mm -hmm. dick jokes. So it's, um, you know, a little bit of this, a little less of that. More references to 90s (laughs) R&B. Oh, yeah. And and a lot of 90s R&B. Thank you so much for having us. This was such a delight. I cannot uh, thank you enough. It was a genuine pleasure to have it literally, as I told Alan, and I, I don't know that it got to you, Katie, but this is a dream come true. Oh, I good. love oh, and adore oh. your show. And it is my, one of my favorite parts of Monday. Uh, oh. it, it makes Monday livable. So thank, thank you, you for doing it. And thank you for continuing it. Um, uh, Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I am a writer at the spool. Um, actually, when when the minute I finish recording this podcast, I have to to run off and watch the uh, penultimate episode of The Outsider so that I can do a recap for it, which means I will probably be up until one in the morning. But that's fine. Everything's good. That's fine. Thank you, HBO, for not sending screeners for the remaining season. Um, but yeah, that is the the spool dot net. Uh, I also have my own website at GinaRadcliffe.com, and I am on. Twitter under porcelain seven two. Do it today, people. Check it out. We're on the social medias. We're on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You know what we do. Uh, give us a rate and review us on iTunes. It's how uh, more people hear about us. You know, this the standard uh, spiel that everyone hears at the end of a podcast. But uh, don't go away. Uh, don't go away mad. Uh, just go away for two more weeks because we're going to come right back and talk more about Freddy versus Jason. We're really taking this apart. We're only going to move 20 minutes ahead. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Patrick, can I, can I point out real quick? We have a new Patreon. We have a new Patreon. Oh, yes, please. Tell us all about it. We have, we have one new patri- uh, patron. I guess a singular patron as patron. It's uh, Maggie Kitterman. So thank you, Maggie. If you would like to, if anybody else listening would like to be a uh, a patron of our podcast, just patreon.com slash kill by kill. Uh, we are looking to, uh, as we go further into year into the, the year, to uh, change up some of our uh, our rewards. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and then we should be doing we'll be doing a, our drawing for our winner of this month's You Pick the Movie. That'll probably happen in the next week or so. So yeah. Uh, patreon.com slash kill by kill and that just about does it for all of us so for myself for gina for alan for katie for freddie for verses and for jason bye-bye everybody bye bye bye